Okay, everybody. I want to bring you a simple message today. Not too complicated, but not very easy to follow always. I'm going to be talking about serving the Lord, serving the Lord. And the scripture that I want to bring to you today is from the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. And it's at the end of the book of Joshua where he says these words. As for me, do you want to read it with me? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. This came at the end of the book of Joshua, his final speeches to the nation of Israel as an older man who'd led them out of the desert as Moses' successor, led them out of the desert into the promised land, fought many battles, now establishing them as a nation, the nation of Israel, with still many challenges ahead. So this is him at the end of his life saying, we will still serve the Lord. And all of Israel joined with him in that. Joshua had a specific task for his generation, a specific assignment. We, you, look at me for a sec, all of you have a specific assignment. We have a specific assignment. God had something specific for Joshua in his generation. God is the same in every generation. He has something specific for us that he wants us to do. Our individual callings fit into the greater calling of the Great Commission. And I want to look today back and forth from Joshua to the New Testament to see what we can learn. You see, we read in the book of Hebrews that everything that was in the Old Testament is a foreshadow of what's to come. So there's principles and there's things about God, how he deals with his people, that we can learn from the Old Testament that help us make sense of what we are to do. Are you with me? So just three simple points today. Okay, three simple points. My first point to you today is that we need to follow. Follow. God called Joshua to follow him into the promised land, to not only keep the commandments, every one of them, to meditate on them day and night, to not leave them to the left or to the right, but to follow the law, the law of Moses, to the letter, so that they would be established as a nation holy unto the Lord, Yahweh, and no other God, because they would be tempted to follow the myriad of gods in that area. They're called to follow his commandments, his word, and they were called to follow his presence. The presence was represented by the Ark of the Covenant, a golden box, golden-coated box, which was brought on handles through the Red Sea or through the Jordan River, which was then split open as the presence went through. When the presence of God went ahead, see, a lot of you will know this, but a lot of you need to get this again because we try and do church, we try and do life in our own strength. God's saying, I want you to let my presence go ahead this time. Honor the presence of God. Do not tamper with it. Do not try and handle it. Don't try and make God do what you want him to do. You've got to follow. Everyone say follow follow. Jesus is exactly the same in the New Testament. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, pick up your cross, deny yourself to be my followers. We follow the presence of Jesus. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. But then he goes on to say, those born of the Spirit are led by the Spirit. Galatians we read that because we are sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts 
by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're not leaving, we're not going to just wander around in life. We're led, amen? And we have to follow, and we have to get behind him, amen, and not get in his way. Because he may say to us, get behind me, amen? This is an important message as we think about getting into revival season, which I believe we are. We're already in it. Many revivals have come and gone, and they stop when man tampers with what God's doing, when God tries, man tries to brand it as his, when God does what he wants, says in Psalms, the Lord does as he pleases, and we must follow with him, that might mean that we have services in, in the week, in the night, you know, whatever, or something else. It's not going to be the same as how it was necessarily, but we've got to follow him. The prophetic will increase, will know, the amount of prophetic words I've had the last few months. But they're all, they all say the same thing. They all say the same thing about it's time to get ready. It's time to grow forward. God's doing a new thing and we need to get behind him. And I know in my spirit he's doing something big. And I know I've mentioned a lot about my friend Kevin. It's not about Kevin. It's about the Holy Spirit. Amen. In every generation he rises up people he wants to use. You meet people, there's something special in their life. When Kevin shared that prophecy on Pentecost Sunday about a seven-year revival, I could barely stand up. The presence of God was so strong. It's like revival had already started in that moment, and I believe it had. Because when you prophesy, you speak. Mysteries in the spirit, you release what God wants to do into the natural realm. Amen? On earth as it is in heaven. We must follow him. We must keep in line with him. We must obey the word of God. See, the word of God tells us what to do, but the spirit will show us how to do it and will give us the grace how to do it. Amen? That's my first point, to follow. They have to follow, and we also have to fight. Now, a lot of people in the church, when they get saved, when they come to faith, they don't think there's going to be any battles. And then they're really surprised when quite literally all hell breaks loose. We should not be surprised. Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, have courage. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world systems. I've overcome the demonic world. Through you, Jesus will flow, and he will sometimes use you to fight spiritual battles. Now, It's foreshadowed in Joshua because, you see, when they came to the walls, they crossed over. And the first stronghold, literally like a castle in front of them, the walls of Jericho, was so big. God told the people of Israel to do something so strange. In humility, they chose to do it and and obey. They walked around the walls of Jericho seven times. And then they blew the trumpets and shouted to God, And the walls came down and they entered that city. You know, sometimes there's so much bloodshed in the Old Testament. You think, how can God allow that? Any any person in that town could have humbled themselves, could have come out and said, we want to repent. We want to follow the God of Israel. And some did, as you read the book of Joshua. Some came into the Israelite family rather than fighting against God. This is what God did. They had to go ahead with the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, worship, yeah? 
And then the walls of Jericho fell and they had victory. There's a time when they were disobedient, the battle of I, AI, not artificial intelligence. <laughs> That's another battle on the way, right? I have a robot preacher. No, I'm joking. Don't get me started. One man disobeyed. He took some of the spoil from himself. And the Holy Spirit was grieved. And they lost the battle big time. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle of, of conquest of Israel wasn't simply Israel beating other nations. It's God reclaiming his land so that there would be one nation on the earth, just one, that actually worshipped the one true God. From there would come Messiah, Jesus. From the generations of Judah. And Jesus became the saviour of the world. If there was no Israel, there'd be no salvation for anyone. So it's quite important that God protected that land. They had to fight for it. They didn't conquer other lands. They had to fight for the lands that God gave Abraham. Genesis 12, he says, I'm going to lead you into a land you do not know. I'll give this land to your descendants. The Israelites, three million of them, were the descendants of Abraham. And this is now the fulfillment of those prophetic words, taking and inheriting the land that's theirs, driving out the evil inhabitants, those who sacrificed their children to false gods. They could have repented. They could have stopped. They had a long time. It's too late for a lot of them. And instead of that evil, it was a land worshipping the one true God, 12 tribes taking their lands, the land of Israel. There's a time when Joshua suddenly turns around and he sees this huge angel next to him. And he says, are you with them or are you with us in terms of which side are you on? He says, neither. He's just fighting God's battle, but Israel participate where they, went, where they were meant to. It's the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Sometimes I think with spiritual warfare and things like that, we have to just kind of go after things. Listen, we must be led by the Spirit. There will be times where we have to pray against something, and there's times we have to leave something be. Do you know that? It may be, I remember a time, do you remember, Talita, when we were praying, crying out to the Lord, a bit like the walls of Jericho once, and we were crying out to the Lord. It says in the Bible, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And we were shouting unto God with this victorious cry. It sounded amazing. And, Victor, and, and uh, Talita in the spiritual realm could see black blobs breaking off Norwich. Now here's the thing. There was a lady who was part of our services for a time who was struggling with demonic oppression. She got free of it after this point. She was two streets away and could see black blobs breaking. So we, we sometimes don't see what God's doing when we agree with the Spirit, when we get in line with the Spirit, and through us, the will of God is unfolded. Amen? It's the same with Joshua. They had to fight the battles God assigned for them, how he wanted them to fight them. Ephesians 6, the weapons of our warfare. 2 Corinthians 10, all speak about the spiritual battle against evil in the spiritual realms. We don't have physical enemies. You know, no person out there is your enemy. They might want to make you their enemy, but we don't make them our enemies. Amen? 
The battle is against spiritual darkness that tries to stop the work of the gospel, stops to stop you going forward in your faith. That's why deliverance is so important, casting out demons. That's why fasting is so important, because otherwise we get overwhelmed and pushed back when God's given us the weapons to push forward. Amen? You know, there's so much suicide, and there's so much self-harm, and there's so much evil, and there's child trafficking. It's all from Satan. Last year, last July, this day last, last year, I gave a word saying, the devil is trying to import darkness, but God is about to export the light. And then I meet Kevin, who says, we're moving into a season of import and export. He just basically said what I said a year before. God is about to do something that will shake evil structures, that will bring people to repentance, where people in high places society will be stopped from the evil they're doing because the God is going ahead of them. Amen? You just wait and see what I'm talking about in the coming, in the coming months. Everything's being exposed. You know, every time you go on the news, so-and-so has been found out. So-and-so has been found out. A few years ago, Jeffrey Epstein and all that kind of thing sounded like conspiracy theory, that it was an organized system of tra- trafficking girls. And now we know it's true. All these people get caught out. That is part of what God's doing in this time. It's God. What is said in the secret rooms will be shouted from the rooftops. Nothing will be hidden. Nothing. So get right with God. Because he will, he will humble you, but you must humble yourself first. There's people in positions of leadership in the church that maybe shouldn't be there. God's called them to be, but they need to humble themselves. And I'm including myself in that as well, because I need to humble myself daily. God wants to flow through a holy church. Amen? A holy people. A church with vision. Amen? Do we look at the land? Do we look at the future ahead of us and see giants that cannot be defeated? Or do we see a land flowing with milk and honey? Because people are very pessimistic right now. People are thinking there's no future. And yet within us, the people of God, we're saying it's a new day. A month ago I was shouting at the top. I don't even know why. I think it was the Lord. It's a new day for the church. Amen. Things aren't going to be the same. He'll shake everything so that what cannot be shaken remains. So that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And what is steadfast and eternal and true will remain. God's going to shake things up. Amen. I want to tell you a quick story about how God intervenes. In fact, I'll share it for another, I'll save it for another time. I want to come to the final point, actually, about fulfilling your assignment. I heard this man, heard about this man years ago, Australian man, and all he did is stand on the corner of the street in Sydney, and he'd ask people, if you died tonight, where would you be? And he did it faithfully every week for years. One day, there was a man on a plane, and he's talking with this Christian lady next to her. He says, how did you become a Christian? Well, there was this man in Australia who asked me, if, you die, if I died tonight, where would you be? So I, I got right with God that day. He's in another part of the world. How did you become a Christian? Well, there was this man in Australia. <laughs> Wherever he went, he met people that came to faith because of this one man in Australia who kept asking people this question. 
probably not knowing the fruit that he had. Anyway, he tracks this man down, and he just died. And uh, what he did, all these people that he'd met, they all came to his funeral and said, we're right with God because of this man. And that man in this lifetime never knew that. We must fulfill what God's called us to do. Joshua had to fulfill what he was called to do to establish the nation of Israel holy unto Yahweh, the Lord. We must fulfill the great commission of Jesus. We must do it faithfully. We must go on fulfilling what God has spoken before in his word, but also by the prophets as well. You see, a few generations ago, there was a man called Smith Wigglesworth. He said that there would be a revival in the the times when the word and the spirit come together. That it's no longer reformed Christians over here who don't believe in the work of the spirit. And on one side, charismatics who stop reading the Bible. (laughs) But those flowing with the word and the spirit who acknowledge every page of this and live by this but also are open to what the new thing God is doing. The ancient paths and the new venues of the future that God is opening up to us. We must be led by the Spirit and the Word. We must remember the prophecies spoken before us so that we can fight the good fight, Paul said to Timothy. If you don't know what prophecies have been said to you or this church before it's hard to have a good direction but what I want to do this summer is bring together every prophetic word that's been said and see how some have been lined up and how some are still open to be because we need to know that don't we what God is doing and I look forward to doing that this summer but I just want to finish with the reading of Joshua 24 whatever the Lord said to you or highlighted to you today about following him, fighting battles, or fulfilling your assignment. This is what Joshua says in his old age, knowing there's still much to be done. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Whatever gods or idols that have been celebrated before, self-sufficiency, pride of man, pride, all of these things, they are gods in themselves. Put them away, serve the Lord. And then Joshua asked this question, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet right now. We're going to sing a song as we close this time. It's based on these words. And I'm just going to pray just before we play that. Lord, I pray that we would fulfill everything you've called us to do, Lord. That, Lord, that we would follow you faithfully. And that we would fight, Lord, the battles you've called us to fight. I pray over everyone here today, Lord, for a new grace. Lord, I pray, as has already been prayed, bring revival, Lord. Bring 
a new day to us, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear what you're doing. Let us not be left behind in the desert, Lord, but let us go forward into the new lands that you've got for us all, Lord. We just want to say, Lord, we're open today, Lord. We want to commit ourselves to you today afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this song, it starts with the, the lyrics, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If you want to come right now and just get right with God, just by yourself, come forward, humble yourself. Even if there's no sin, if you just want to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm, I'm available, please come to the front today just to say to the Lord, I will serve you. Amen? If you wish to do that, please do that as this song comes. But one last thing I do want to say is that if there's anyone here that's not right with God, not opened up their heart to the Lord, if you're watching online, Jesus has paid the price for you. He died and rose again. He took your sin to the grave. And through faith in him, you can receive the forgiveness of sins. Amen. So whatever it is you're coming to the Lord with today, you can just stand here or kneel here just before the Lord. We won't have anyone praying for you necessarily, but just come before him today and just say I'm open. Amen. So thank you, team. We're going to play this song now.